I think psychological safety is one of the key things to taking the leaps of faith because you need some sort of a background or a plateau or a platform that you can actually push yourself upwards from. Diversity of experience is something that adds richness, context, and tremendous value, no matter if you're in product companies, consultancies, or an entrepreneur. In my career, I've often seen individuals cycling between the changing environments of being a consultant and the focus and pride of ownership in product development. Today, we're adding a third part, the leap of faith of entrepreneurship and the value that can bring when becoming a consultant. Today, we have Tuukka Sarkki, lead consultant at Eficode, who will share with us his journey. Let's tune in. Hello and welcome to DevOps Sauna. This is Mark. I'll be your host today. And today we have a really interesting, can I say character? Luka Sarki, who's joining us, uh, one of the recent people who have joined Eficode in the transformations and advisory types of roles. Luka, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you today? Oh, happy to be alive. It's a beautiful <laughs> day. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Luka? Well... This year is going to be 25 years in the IT scene. I've been shifting between sales and consulting roles throughout my career. So right now, I'm very happy to be here at Eficode. Sounds cool. So one of the things that we're here to talk about today is there's a path um, in and out of consultancy that we've seen. And Dukka, we have some, some things in common that we have both been through uh, entrepreneurship and directorship, and now we're both consultants. So uh, tell a little bit about your path. How did you get here? Yeah, I started my career in, in the late 90s, starting my own company, and I ran it for 10 years. And the draw for that as an entrepreneur was, of course, to put myself in dangerous situations and putting myself in places where I haven't been before, seeing things that nobody else has maybe seen. Oh, that was my sort of driver. And I was trying to look for clients that were in difficult situations where we could help with software development. And it was pretty nice. But at some point after 10 years, I realized that I was maybe not learning enough doing things by myself as the CEO. So I decided to leave and I actually joined one of the major global consulting companies at that point because I was looking for a place where I could uh, maybe do more in-depth work instead of just doing the selling part, which was my main responsibility in my own company after a bit. So I did that for some time. And then I got the, got this idea that maybe I should try sales again. And I was in, the, in a sales role in another company doing more maybe superficial work, but still helping companies in identifying ways that they could leverage digital transformation as a business driver. And uh, most recently, before joining Eficode, I was at Vincit, and there I also started with a sales role, but I eventually, there as well, I started thinking about going in more detail in, into the client's world and digging deeper into what was their business drivers and living their life with them instead of just doing the opening work for as a salesperson. So that's what I did. I also spent one year before joining Eficard on a sabbatical thinking about life and what are the directions that I could take. And then when the opportunity to join Eficard came up, I was very eager to join in as a lead consultant because during my sabbatical, I found that maybe a part of my identity has always been this sort of storytelling 
and looking for ways that a narrative could explain things to other people in their lives. And that's one of the things that I have tried to leverage as a consultant throughout my career as well. So very happy to be here right now at Epicode and trying to tell business-relevant stories to our clients. I'm so glad that you brought up the storytelling. Um, I think it's one of the one of the greatest gifts that someone can have, the ability to create a narrative in order to bridge, in our case, what we're often doing is between like developers, testers, doers, operative people, and management in order to build you know, not only a common vocabulary so that they can communicate, but also a common narrative so they can get on the same page together. Exactly. I think it's really powerful this, you know, I, I didn't think of this before meeting you, Dukka, that one thing that I've seen a lot is people going back and forth between product and consulting roles. And as a consultant, I have you know certain responsibilities towards my customer, but also the customer oftentimes bears the ultimate responsibility for choices that they make. And then um, I get to see lots of different things and uh, get exposure to many different ways of working and different people. And then this differs from like a, a product kind of focus. Yeah. Very much so. And, and I think one of the most interesting things in, in consulting is that you're, you're responsible for the client, of course, but you have like, you are there as an outsider. And I like the point of view and, and the perspective of an outsider, because then you're able to see things that are not maybe obvious to the client themselves. And if you are in a product role, you're deep within the thing itself. And it's it becomes harder to see the things that an outsider might see. And this is where storytelling also comes into play. So you're able to, as an outsider to pick up the things that actually make the narrative of the product or the client and form them in a way that the, when somebody's living through that stuff, they would have never realized it themselves. But hey, this is actually the story that I'm living through. And this helps me to also identify the ways how the story continues from here onwards in a very sort of logical and, and natural way. So there's a natural flow to things, I think, that we can follow as consultants. And we just need to find a way forward and help our clients also to find the right way for them to proceed their narrative. Exactly. I think one of the, the most rewarding things to me as a consultant is that because I'm not a member of the uh, customer organization, I am not bound by their politics or by their silos. And the ability to kind of transcend an organization and bring people together across the organization. It's like one of the greatest things is just, you know, I call a meeting that has people that have never been in the room before together. And then all of a sudden they realize that they're on the same side yeah. or that they have the same struggles or things. I think that's really, that's really cool. And, you know, another thing uh, you've, you've probably seen, but one of the, the other things about uh, consulting versus product business that for me is really neat is in the product business, you're always trying to get closer to the customer. And if you're not, you're going to lose. <laughs> By the way, if you're not close to the customer in the product business, uh, you're, gonna, you're not going to build uh, what they actually uh, are looking for. But in consulting, you know, the product is us and we are working directly with the customer. So I think that's one really neat aspect of getting to do this every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a delicate balance as an outsider. And when you're coming into, into the lives of somebody else, there's always the sort of the balancing between as an outsider, do you revolutionize and do you radicalize or do you make an evolution happen at the client? 
So which is the right way for the client to, to do? And that's always one of the key questions that I think about when I'm approaching a client. Is it is it about an evolutionary step towards something? What's the story going to be? Or is it about the revolution that we need to help the client ex- execute in some way and radicalize the client and help them in finding ways that they can be, become the next thing from a caterpillar to a butterfly? Very cool. So uh, speaking of storytelling, as you, you led us in here uh, really nicely, you know, can you tell a little bit about the story of how you got into this? It's, you know, was there like, you know, a, a moment that kind of changed the direction in, in your life or, you know, made, showed you what the path is next? Yeah, there was at one point, maybe taking a step back towards how I perceive myself. So I've always thought of myself as an introvert. And I was very hesitant to take up public speaking, for example. But then at one point, I got the opportunity to go on stage and talk about things that I really knew about in terms of digital transformation. And I was thinking about, do I go on and present myself as just another guy in a suit and take it as a sort of a, some sort of an armor to protect myself from the public? Or do I go really as myself? So I t- took the loudest t-shirt and the noisiest socks that I had. And I took my shoes off when I went on stage and I started presenting. And I, at that point, I realized that I'm really at home here. I'm telling stories that I really know and feel about and which I know are also interesting to the client and all the audience. And it felt good. So after that point, I haven't been very hesitant. It's always exciting to go on stage, definitely. But I'm not afraid of it. And I embrace the feeling that I, when I'm on stage telling stories, it feels really good. And after that, I also picked up the narratives and the storytelling as a format of working with clients, because that also felt to me as a natural way to start, sort of guide the clients and the customers in their daily lives. So how do we make the chaos that's the business life more palatable? We try to pick up narratives and how have you actually got here and what is the way forward based on where we have been up to this point and who we are and also touching the identity of the client themselves. So who are they and why are they in their clients' lives and their customers' lives themselves? What's the purpose of their being in in the sort of daily business of their clients? So with these questions, it's easier to sort of steer the discussions and and very complex projects and engagements with clients in terms of picking up a story. And that's one of the maybe biggest realizations that I have had through first public speaking and taking the leap of faith in going on stage and presenting stories to clients and then leveraging the same with the client work in consulting. Oh my gosh, Duke, there's in so few words with a story like this, you can say so many different things. Um, I too am an introvert and I found my comfort on the stage. Going to a party or a networking event and having to talk to everybody is kind of terrifying for me. Yeah. People in Finland will understand that more than, <laughs> than the rest of the world. But then I, I also realized that um, I, I played some music when I was when I was young and I realized that, OK, being on stage is a certain thing. But I was terrified to start getting on stages, you know, in speaking events and trainings and things like this the first time. But, you know, my armor was actually the leather pants, um, mm-hmm. which was me and making me feel really comfortable. But I decided that I could just be myself on stage and that it was something that I was actually kind of almost a gift. It's something that I have to offer. I never would have known if I hadn't taken the leap of faith. And this is yeah. this is another really interesting thing that you've brought up that, you know, 
psychological safety from the people around you and from your environment is one thing, but taking risks in your own comfort zone and, you know, kind of even maybe pushing your, your personal safety limits yourself a bit, you can all of a sudden find that your path has options on it. It has forks that you never would have looked at before. Yeah. If you had never gotten on that stage, we might not be having this conversation now. Yeah, exactly. Really, really cool. And, um, you know, I think this, uh, another thing that you had talked about with this, you know, getting to the clients and helping them really understand what is their story. So oftentimes all the bits and pieces are there, but they, they can't necessarily see what it really is because they've been doing it like this for so long. And the, the company has all of these things that they say that the culture is, but telling somebody your culture doesn't mean that's what people are actually living on a daily basis. But one of the things that I do as a consultant as well that I, I that you remind me of here is, you know, we actually help our customers to tell their own story. Yeah, exactly. The story is always there. We don't make up the story for the clients. It already exists and it's our yeah. job to refine it and identify it and, and then push it back to the client and tell them in so many words that this is the actual story that you have been telling us. It's really interesting as well how you putting yourself outside your comfort zone, it can affect your the way that you uh, see the path that you're on. So uh, our customers, as well as all of us as humans, we, we're on a path, but if we don't stop and look around every now and again and kind of evaluate where we are, then we don't know, we can just keep slogging forward and miss so many things. Yeah, it's. I think psychological safety is one of the key things to taking the leaps of faith because you need some sort of a background or a plateau or a platform that you can actually push yourself upwards from. And I think that has been, when I have been picking up the places that I like to work or where I'm, I would like to work, I have tried to identify places where there exists this psychological safety and the uh, sort of companies that facilitate being yourself and be, being able to leverage your identity in your work. And I think I have found Ethical to be one of, one of such places, definitely. So it's very important that you have this feeling of safety. And from there onwards, it's easier to pick up the new challenges and sort of the gaps and chasms that you can leap over. Really cool. And I like this idea is that, um, you know, once we have, have found a place of safety or we've moved into a place of safety, then we can disturb that <laughs> a bit and understand yeah. what we're really capable of. So learning to get on the stages and do public speaking got you into entrepreneurship. So how do you compare entrepreneurship track to the consulting track? Are there like some parallels and some differences that you've identified? There are definitely parallels. So as an entrepreneur, you're always taking chances and you're always pushing the, your limits and going to places that you haven't been before. It's necessary to drive the business. And as a consultant, of course, you're always taking risks in terms of what you're going to a place that you don't know yet. And you need to get to know these people and their business very deeply to understand them and to really help them. And you're, ne you're never quite sure what you're going to face when you're actually go digging deep into a, some sort of company which is, have been running their business for such a long time and other people and individuals with their own agendas and what is the common thing there. So in that regard, I think entrepreneurship and, and consulting are a bit similar. But of course, as an entrepreneur, you're responsible for everything. 
the toilet paper and and the sort of printing machines and everything. And it's easier in that regard to work as a consultant where your only responsibility is towards a client and the customer and helping them in ways that are business relevant and pushing them forward. So you can better focus on the things that are really interesting and you will still get the dynamic of being able to work with different clients and different customers. And there's a sort of dy- dynamic that keeps me going and keeps things in- interesting in, in terms of getting to know new people and new companies in a certain frequency instead of just like as an entrepreneur, it was I had maybe worked with 20 clients throughout the year. And now I'm able to focus on a, a few less, only a few companies throughout the year, which is at the moment the right pace for me. So it's easier to get to know the companies more deeply and getting to know their stories and and helping them in on a long term rather than just going in and out as a salesperson. Yeah, it, I think it's fair to to mention, you know, we've noticed some different kinds of consultants who uh work at Efficode and other places for example. There are dolphin kind of consultants to use some metaphors from the sea. Um dolphins often see things from the high level. They're they're able to go up above. Uh, what's what's going on in the in the deep sea below and have a kind of a bird's eye view almost and they might hop around and you know be very very mobile see lots of different customers for different kinds of things and then we have whale consultants who go really deep and they they might uh, go so deep into a customer that they they forget where their paycheck is signed from and they <laughs> call their boss their their customer and uh, things like that and uh, we also have manatee type of consultants where we have some people that they they just want to do the same kinds of things uh, mostly day in and day out they might want a little bit of variety or they might change their their customers every three six 12 24 months but kind of just want the the flow so lots of different kinds of people can get into consulting which type of sea creature are you i think i'm a dolphin at the moment i i like to play around with different clients and have this sort of dynamic where i'm able to get a high level perspective on things sometimes deep, dive a little bit deeper and play with the whales as well but rather looking at things on a level that are sort of maybe also from the top of the surface and seeing how how things are in the big picture that's what inter- interests me because the story is always it's not in the deepest details. It's a high-level story. Uh, and as a storyteller, that's my perspective. So trying to find a big, bigger story there and the epic. Yeah, I, I completely uh, share this with you as well. And I think that oftentimes what the customers are coming to us for is they have a technical problem to solve. And what they don't realize is that they have like a, a quite deep cultural situation that causes the kinds of problems. So what they come to us for is a symptom of something that when you come up to the high level and you look across, you kind of span the directorships or the domains within the organization as a dolphin consultant. Then uh, that kind of perspective, I think, is what actually then allows you know drilling down through the layers in order to solve things that don't just solve the symptom that they came to us for, but also solve a much wider set of problems. Yeah, exactly. So Efficode is known as a DevOps company. Of course, we're a transformation yeah. and advisory company. We also do des- uh, design accessibility. But had you done DevOps before? Though? No, I had, of course, worked with DevOps people earlier. And my whole career has been in software in one way or another. So I was very much aware of it. 
but the depth of which I could sort of bring to the table was not very sort of deep. But I do see it as a sort of a core of digital transformation and the ways that it's actually done to achieve some sort of a full business automation, which I perceive as the sort of the grail of, of why we are doing things. So it was very interesting for me to come come to Epicode and maybe learn a little bit more about DevOps and dive a little bit deeper into that while still trying to maintain the sort of perspective that I'm able to bring as uh, as my history and through my history as a sort of dolphin who gets the bigger picture quite fast and is able to drive the thing forward with the storytelling and, and the narratives and then leveraging on, on the people here at, at Epicode who are very much deeper in, in DevOps than I am myself. Yeah. So it's all business first, isn't it? And then, yeah. you know, kind of how do you how do you see uh, transformation and DevOps? So if DevOps is the core and business is first, like is there are there some connections or how how do you approach uh, transformation? It's always business first. So the continuity of the business is, of course, the top top priority. And from there on, it comes down towards the the culture and the processes and the tools which are all, of course, related then to the DevOps. So DevOps, as I say, it is, it's at the core, it's a culture. And then, then the tools and the processes. So for me, it's like DevOps is, is the way to link the business operations towards the technical stuff in a way that enables the people individually working more efficiently towards achieving a, a better level of automation in the company. It, it might be internal work or it might be then product work towards their clients, but it's always about making the business more efficient and raising the level of automation within the company. Hi, it's Mark again. If you're interested in looking inside or outside of your comfort zone, uh, but would like to work with an amazing group of people serving some fantastic world-leading clients, then please have a look at efficode.com slash careers. Submit an open application if you don't see there's something that you like, and we'd be really happy to talk with you. All right. Thank you, and back to the episode. It's interesting that you said the word efficient. Um, so one thing as a consultant for me, of course, you know, what do I want to enable as far as business is concerned? And there's traditionally two ways of looking at things. There's top line and bottom line, isn't there? And yeah. um, efficiency does not have to mean bottom line. To me, efficiency is the greatest enabler for business agility and the ability to make top line growth, which is, I think, where the, you know, the sex appeal of a company oftentimes has to do with how much is it growing or how well or how will it grow. Yeah. And I, I talk about efficiency a lot because that leaves open the sort of how are we efficient? Are we efficient in raising the top line or the bottom line? And that's totally depending on the story of the client. So what are they trying to achieve and what is their maturity in the market and how are they operating and how would they like to operate in the market? So are they looking for growth or are, are they just looking for better profitability or something like that? Just to open this up a little bit for our listeners, top line has to do about growth and it's acquiring new customers and the ability to acquire new business. It could be new business lines. It could be uh, new features that add value to customers and therefore end up with more business. Bottom line is the profit. And many people think of, of business only in terms of profit. 
But if you have a business that has proven that it has a profitable business model, then investment into that company and the use of that investment in efficiency, DevOps tools, practices, cultural things can enable more top line. So we can sacrifice some profitability for a little while in order to make tremendously more growth once we've proven that we have uh, the bottom line in place. So. What is a transformation to We haven't actually even talked about yeah. that. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and maybe we touched it a little bit earlier. So is it about a revolution or is it about evolution? So are we radicalizing or are we just there to help people to lean things up a little bit, perhaps in terms of their day-to-day life? But for me, the key thing is always the sort of the backstory. So there's no there's no greenfield usually in the transformation, as I see it. So we are always starting with something existing, and we need to pick up from where they actually are, and you need to live with the past to a certain extent, and then identify ways to work forward from there on. So it can be that that some companies need to take a radical step, but theirs are quite rare. So usually it's more about making an evolutionary step towards something that's more, usually we talk about lean a lot. So reducing waste and making things, again, more efficient and, and so forth. So transforming things that have been analog to digital and doing things manually is usually the thing of the past and transforming things to be more automated is is one key part of the digital transformation. So we are transforming the companies in in terms of very sort of tangible things, of course, on, on the core level, but it's also about culture. So how do we transform the culture to something that's more agile or lean or responsive to change overall, because the market is always changing and we may need to make companies more robust and resilient to the towards the change as well. So what is the core of the business and what, what is the thing that are, is not changing when the market changes and what needs to change with the market are some of the questions that I always ask when I approach clients. You made a really interesting connection there. So um, a lot of times when, when we approach customer, they've always done it this way and they've been successful doing it this way for a long time. And if nothing changed, chances are they could continue to be successful in doing things. Now, there's a lot of software development work out there that's not sustainable, creating technical debt and you know not building uh, enablers instead only focusing on features and the shiny things and you know kind of sacrificing infrastructure all that kind of stuff but um, one of the most dangerous things that i've heard is you know we've always done it this way but when we move things to agile and lean we're able to respond to changes in markets or things like pandemics or you know god help us wars or you know these kinds of things so you know, are, are there some things that you see here as well that in the transformation to agility? Yeah. So agile is, of course, a bit sort of mushy area. So agile can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And there's usually two different sides to being agile. And it usually comes to this sort of struggle between business agile and being technically agile. Yeah. So there's business agility, which means responsive to responsiveness to this market situations and changing environment in in the first place and then there's this technical agility which is easier to grasp which means that then it's internal responsiveness towards the new business requirements and what's mostly lacking with the clients is this business agility 
So how do we respond to this changing markets and change in the sort of field that we're operating in and the industry? And it's much easier to implement this, well, let's pick up Scrum or Kanban or whatever as a way to do things technically more efficiently and then call us agile. This is a really great statement that I've seen companies that uh, there's many that, oh, well, we tried agile or we've we've had some difficulties, you know, with agile. And, you know, there's there's some very large scale examples of this all over the place. And usually what they completely don't get is that they also need to make the front end, the business end agile. It's not just about cargo cultism or something. Well, we have Scrum because we do the ceremonies and we have the meetings and all of that. But then, you know, the business expects us to have a year long plan and a year long budget cycle. And, you know, yeah. to... Uh, absolutely keep every promise that we make even if we're you know instead of focusing on being good at at change and being good at uh, making small things and testing them and and navigating through the waters the more you change things the better you get at change itself and the better you are at change itself the more agility you have yeah and i think it's pretty much the same with lean so it's like i've seen many clients who are very lean at the shop floor in the factories but then at the office, they are having so much waste. They are spending their time in meetings that are not necessary and so forth. So it's like easy to implement lean, easy to implement agile in ways that are sort of obvious in a way, in technical ways and then on very concrete level. But then taking the perspective of agile or lean and pointing it towards the office work and the business life and how are we actually operating with our clients it's much harder and that's usually the part that's sort of of keen interest interest to me as well so how do we make these companies lean and agile in terms of business as well yeah me too and it's it it comes to this back to the top of one of the things that you said about it's about the storytelling and the narrative and finding the company's story from from an outsider's perspective to help to raise the internal story to one that actually covers from the business through the uh, the technology and all of the people in between. Yeah, and of course, while doing that, you are always trying to sort of find the right balance between the internal struggle that always exists within the companies, especially in the software business of, of this technology and the business, because they work at a different pace and, and they have a different mode of operation at their core. So what I try to do is find the right balance between the push and pull of, of these two aspects of the technical work that's actually trying to achieve something tangible towards clients and then the business life, which is often more chaotic and not as structured and not as lean and agile as the technical work. So this is always something as well that I try to identify. So what is the sort of power play within the company internally? So who's actually driving? Is it the technical side or is it the business side? And how do we make these two work better together and find the balance and the right priorities between, for example, the continuity of of the business and developing new features, which might be very radical, but very necessary for the business. So it always comes back to the sort of, you might have loads of money, but you only have so many people who who can actually do the transformation work that needs to be done to achieve something better. So what is the priority of work there and how do we identify that? So it's it's never easy, but it's always doable when you look at the story. I have a couple of uh, 
a couple of examples. One uh, is that one of my favorite products that we have, our services uh, that we have at Epicode, is our uh, assessments. We have many different kinds with many different names, DevOps uh, 360, to name a few. When I do an assessment, regardless of what the label uh, was, I bring people together from different departments. I ask them, uh, we have a, a questionnaire with about 80 questions on it, and it's everything from management and culture to automation and DevOps and all these kinds of things. But what I do is I, I get a common conversation going across different departments about things that should be important to any kind of business. And what I tell them at the beginning is that, you know, the company wants to make improvement and wants to make change. And this means change in your life. And if we are successful, what does a positive change in your work life mean to you? And what are some things that I can help validate and take to your management and tell your story so that your and your colleagues work life gets better and the business gets better? Uh, everything kind of improves in the not only the, the ways of working processes and tools and business, but also the, the psychological safety and the creativity and the innovation yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find the assessment tools very cool here at Effigard, and it, it brings structure to otherwise very chaotic work environment. And for me, it's like when I do assessments and, and try to dig deeper into the client's life, I try to find the purpose of the individual people's work. So are they able to even state that? What's the purpose of your work? Why are you doing this that you are doing at the moment? And once we identify that, it's much easier to sort of also look for ways and ask questions about how do we improve your work life? Because if you have a purpose, then you are also able to identify the things that are not enabling you to go towards that purpose. And those are the things that you want to cut off, of course, because they are not driving you forward. They are pushing you back or keeping you in place. And, and usually... If there's no sort of clear purpose statement or statement of why are we actually doing this that we are doing as an individual or a team within the company, it's a bit of a, a bit of a red flag for me, because then there's some some gap in the internal story that the company has been telling internally, and we need to find out the, the reason for that. So, what's the somebody needs to know the purpose of of the individual and, and the work that they are doing. I like this very much. And, you know, every person in the organization should have a sense of purpose for and a sense of pride in the work that they're doing. The company should have a sense of purpose and why it exists and what it is, you know, what its, its purpose and mission and all of these things are. And helping to, you know, kind of not necessarily consolidate, build that narrative and that story across all the different layers of the organization. is It's the greatest gift that I get to, in this job. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also always, as I've found, hidden behind all those. There's usually, when you go to a client, they try to present you with sort of process descriptions and documentation and, okay, this is how we are doing things. But it's usually lacking the purpose. And it's always when you're then interviewing individual people and looking at the processes and then contrasting for the sort of the things that their people have been actually telling, okay, this is the purpose of my work. And then you take the process description and it might be completely different. So I, I do believe in documenting processes and defining processes as such, but the sort of level that they're usually done is not touching deeply enough on the sort of actual purpose and, and the sort of drivers for the work. So 
this is why it's also important to just rely on people and the stories that they are telling rather than just looking at the documentation that the client is giving to you with a face value that, okay, this is the reality of our work. Nobody believes in that. All right. Any further stories, Tuukka? Well, there's plenty, but that, those might not be relevant today here. Maybe we need to book another session for all the other stuff that I have on mind. Oh, I'd absolutely love to. Yeah. I'd like to thank you, Tuukka, for uh, not only for joining Efficode and the, the great work that you do here, but uh, for you know, starting this conversation and joining us on the podcast today. If I kind of sum it up, what I learned, it's, uh, you know, we're all looking for purpose in life. And all of us are on a path and, you know, companies are on a path, individuals are on a path, cultures are on a path. We should stop and look around every now and again and understand the options that are before us. And if we can, you know, options, look at options that are outside of our comfort zone. And if, if you stop and look around, you might find things, paths that you didn't even know that you had. Oftentimes, we can cycle between things like entrepreneurship and consulting and product-based businesses and learn different parts of ourselves. And then, you know, sometimes we even get a little time off and we understand which ones are more important to us. And it can change our lives by taking a risk every now and again. So this is Mark and we have here Tuukka Sarki, uh, lead consultant at Efficode. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It was very nice to be here. A very beautiful summary of what we discussed. Okay, and thank you very much, Tuka. Once again, uh, this is Mark. This is the Efficode DevOps Sauna podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on your platform. It means the world to us. Also, check out our other episodes for interesting and exciting discussions.